in Matthew 28, the Bible says that a couple of women very early in the morning before sunrise went out to the tomb to properly bury Jesus' body. See, they, they witnessed on Friday Jesus being tortured and abused. And they, they watched as they placed his body on a cross. And they watched as he was crucified. They watched as he hung there in agony. And then as he said his last words, and they watched as he died. And then they watched as they took his body off of that cross and carried it across town and quickly wrap his body and lay him in a, in a tomb. They knew that his body was not properly prepared for burial, so they went and bought some spices. But the Sabbath came before they could finish their work, and to honor the Sabbath, they went home and waited. But maybe out of pain, maybe because they couldn't sleep, maybe they were just anxious. They got up very early and went to the tomb. And when they got there, Matthew 28 says that suddenly there was this earthquake and, and the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then suddenly there appeared this angel whose clothing was dazzling white and his, his face looked like lightning. And the women were terrified. And the angel, knowing that they were afraid, said, don't, don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus. And he's not here. He, he has risen. And the women, wondering if, if that could be true, we're, we're pondering, how could that be? But the angel said, when he was with you, didn't he say, I will be killed and three days later, I will rise. And, and instantly, they went from being terrified to being filled with hope. Could it be true? Could it be true that all of the feelings of hurt and loneliness and pain and frustration and disillusionment and being bewildered and unknown and hopeless could in a moment all be changed. Church, I know that we come here this morning in, in, a, in, a, in a month where there is a lot of uncertainty. All around us, we're wondering what is happening in our economy? What might happen to my job? What might happen to me physically? What about this virus? Relationally, things are different. And 
we don't know what kind of world we're going to walk back into and we're hoping that everything is going to work out well and we bring into this worship today a lot of unknown and some frustration and bewilderment and we're wondering is tomorrow going to be better than today is it going to change and will it be better but guess what God is on the throne and Jesus is sitting next to him because he is risen and there is hope and tomorrow will be better than today and the frustrations and the questions of today will be answered tomorrow and today we sit in wonder and frustration and confusion but tomorrow there will be great joy and we will praise God how great is our God good morning it's Easter welcome so welcome back as we continue our Easter message today we started early at the tomb with the women who went and thinking that they were going to find Jesus dead, but they didn't. They found out that he was alive. And because of that, everything is possible. And what we mean by everything is possible is this, because of the resurrection, my life is new every morning. Lamentation says that every morning God's mercies are new. His grace is new. His forgiveness is new. You wake up every morning with a brand new start. With every step, the scenery changes and all things are possible. You are no longer controlled or because of the past. You're no longer defined because of your past. You're defined because of the resurrection of Jesus and everything is possible. Now, number two in our message. Everything is different. From this point on, everything was different. And Jesus was no longer bound by his earthly body. And you can tell in this next section that Jesus is both playful and purposeful as he begins to let everybody know the rules have all changed. What you thought was true in the past is no longer true now. There is a new day, a new covenant a new beginning, and everything is different. I just want to show you four examples of the playfulness and the purposefulness of Jesus. Here's the first one. This is with the women. Now, while they were still at the tomb, before they left, they knew it was empty, but they didn't know where Jesus was. And look at what it says. Dear women, Jesus said, Dear woman, why are you crying? And who are you looking for? She thought that he was the gardener. So, here are the women, the angel just told them he has risen. And then as they turned the corner, Jesus just suddenly appeared and there he is. And they thought he was the gardener. He just disguised himself. Can you see the playfulness? And he's like, oh, why, why are you crying? And who are you looking for? He knew who it was. He knew who they were looking for. And yet he disguised himself as a gardener. And then he saw how sad she was. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, please tell me where you've put him and I'll go and get him. And Jesus just simply called her name, Mary. And as soon as he did, her eyes were opened and she recognized it was him. And look at the pur purposefulness. 
she turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. And he said, don't cling to me because I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. My mission is not complete. I still have to complete what God has put in front of me. But go and tell my brothers, things are different. Everything is different. So that's the first example. Let me show you another one. Jesus went on the road with these guys to a town, and they were a couple of disciples, and they were talking about him. And I love it. It says, and as they discussed these things, Jesus himself just suddenly came and began walking with them. He just came out of nowhere. He just all of a sudden appeared. But God kept them from recognizing him. See, it's just, it's so playful. And he said to them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they could not believe it. And they just simply stopped. Look here. They stopped short and sadness was written across their faces. This was very important to them. Then one of them, Cleopas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about these things and everything that's happened the last few days. And Jesus is like, uh, what, what are you talking about? You know, well, what things? And so he disguised himself. They didn't recognize that it was him. And he just let them tell him the whole story. And as they walked along, he was just listening and they were telling the story and they got all the way up to the death and the burial, and they could not finish the story. And Jesus' next statement was, oh, man, how, why is it so hard for you to understand what the scriptures say about me, about the Messiah? And look at this next verse, verse 27. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He was so purposeful. He disguised himself. He let them tell the story. And when they couldn't finish it, he helped them to finish it. He told them everything. And it got late. They invited him to their house. They sat down at a meal. And look at what happened next. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized that it was Jesus. And at that moment, he just disappeared. It's like, and by the way, you know, they, they remembered the Passover. And hopefully today you have communion in front of you. You've made some communion bread and you have your wine or your grape juice. And you're going to be sharing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to pray about that here in just a minute. But as he took the bread and they remembered the Passover, that's just like Jesus. And as he blessed it and prayed over it, their eyes were opened. And I love this. I can even see Jesus laughing as he just suddenly disappears. And the two men jumped up and it says, were our hearts not burning within us as he told us the scriptures? And they took off even though it was late at night and went and found the apostles. And they started telling the apostles everything. And look at what Jesus did there. Look at this playfulness. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly just standing there among them. He just, he just appeared. Peace be with you, he said. And the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking that they were seeing a ghost. I mean, these two men were telling him, that's what he did to us. And all of a sudden, he does it with the apostles, and they think he's a ghost. And he's like, whoa, 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 why are you frightened? 
Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Can you see that it's really me? He's like, I'm not a ghost. I have a body. Look at me. And he's, he's playing with them, and yet he's very purposeful. He does the same thing with them that he did the two guys on the road to Emmaus. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law and Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You guys need to understand everything the prophets and Moses and the Psalms, everything they said about me because you're going to be telling this story and I need you to understand it. And then the last example was... Uh, when they had gone fishing. Now, before I show you this one, do you remember at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry how he met Peter, James, and John? See, they were fishing. They fished all night, didn't catch anything. And Jesus came and said, hey, why don't you cast your nets on the other side? And they're like, look, we've been fishing here. And he's like, just, just do it. And they did, and they caught so many fish, they couldn't bring them into the boat. And at that moment, Peter recognized, you, you must be a prophet. And they began following Jesus. And now at the very end, this is the third time Jesus has appeared to them. And look at the playfulness of Jesus. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Well, we'll come too, they all said. And so they all went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? Now, I love this word right here, fellows. Fellows, it, it, actually in Greek, it means children. Hey, novices. Hey, rookie. Hey, Jesus hollers out, hey, rookies, have you caught any fish? Now, if you've been fishing all night and you're worn out and you just want to go home and go to bed and you've not caught anything, that's the last question you want somebody asking. And the last thing you want to answer is no they replied, and here he goes. Look at Jesus. Then he said, throw out your nets on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, <laughs> it's the Lord. And Peter jumped in the water. Do you see what it is that Jesus is doing with his apostles? Do you see what he's trying to say to us? Look, everything is different. And what that means is this. Because of the resurrection, I'm not bound by my past. You don't have to be afraid of Jesus. He's trying to show you. He's going to be tender with you, but he needs you to know. Your past doesn't define you. You're not bound by that. Things are different. The rules have changed. Grace covers you. You are assured of your salvation. Run after Jesus, and you don't have to worry. He is so easy. He says, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You can trust me. And so I just want to pray with you. Everything is different. And I know you might be worried. Man, uh, will I be able to overcome my past? Will I be able to be new? Will it interfere with my marriage? Will it interfere with my job? Will it interfere with my relationship with Jesus? And here's the answer, no. The resurrection has changed everything. Everything's different. Isn't that good news? I want to pray with you. Lord God, help us to understand that everything is different. You make everything new. Thank you for your grace, your amazing grace. 
Thank you for being so tender with us. Thank you for being so approachable, for not being scary, but you make it so that we just want to run and spend time with you. Thank you for your love. And as today we celebrate your resurrection, as we are preparing communion, Lord, we want you to bless it. We want our eyes to be open to who you are. Thank you for your amazing love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for making everything different. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song. Actually, we're going to sing a couple of songs, but this first one is just directly pointed at Jesus. It's just a song directly to Jesus. So sing it out. Sing it with all your hearts. And when I come back, I want to share with you what I believe to be the most critical element of the resurrection. So welcome back. Let's have a quick recap. Number one, everything is possible. Because of the resurrection, my life is new every morning. Amen. And because of the resurrection, I'm not bound by my past. Everything is different. And so God is making everything new. And the resurrection message is so great because everything is fresh. Everything is new. And you can have a brand new start. The most important thing about that, though, is this. It's all personal. The thing about the resurrection is that you have to receive it. Some of us have a hard time receiving the grace of God and the mercy of God, and we keep beating ourselves up for all of our mistakes and all of our sin. And every time we sin again or we do something or we think something or we act in a way that's not right, it just prevents us from really running after Jesus with all our heart, and we have a hard time of forgiving ourselves. Peter was the same way. And see, it's so personal. Everybody who came to Jesus had something personal. The women needed to see him. Thomas needed to touch him. He said, I'm not going to believe unless I can put my hand inside the scars. And Jesus was so kind to him. The apostles needed to understand him so that they would know how to navigate the future and the mission that they were now called to. But this last one, everybody needs to receive him. It's not enough that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised from the dead. You personally have to believe it, and not just believe it. You have to receive it. Peter was having a difficult time with this. If you remember, he denied Jesus three times, and he couldn't get over it. And so remember that breakfast that Jesus had with the apostles when he told them to cast their nets on the other side? Look at this exchange between Jesus and Peter. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Now I have to pause because in the English language, we just have this word love. But in the Greek, they have four different words for the word love. One is a very basic kind of love and kindness. The next one is a friendship. The third, which is phileo. The next one, which is eros, is uh, an erotic, uh, romantic kind of love. And their highest form of love was called agape. Unconditional. I am with you. I love you no matter what. So when Jesus was talking to Peter, you have to really look at this in the Greek because he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? Unconditionally love me no matter what. But Peter, he didn't want to 
over-promise and under-deliver. And so he said, well, Lord, you know that I phileo you. In other words, you could read it like this. Peter, do you, do you unconditionally love me more than anything? And Peter said, well, Lord, you know I'm your friend. You know I phileo you. And then Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I am your friend. I love you. I, but see, Peter did not want to, to say too much. He didn't want to deny. He didn't want to have another regret. And he's, he is bound still by his past. He's bound by his failure and he can't get over it. But Jesus is saying to him, I need you to take care of my sheep. I have a mission for you. And then a third time, look at this one and look at the difference between agape and phileo. Look at what Jesus said in verse 17. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you, are you really my friend? Are you my friend? Can I trust you? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him a question a third time, but he said, Lord, you know everything and you know I am your friend. And Jesus said to him, I've got a mission for you. I need you to take personal ownership of everything that I've done for you, of the resurrection, that everything is new, everything is forgiven. And I need you to stand bold and stand strong because I need you to lead the beginning of what we're going to call church. And it's a brand new thing. And you have to know that everything is new. And you have to boldly stand in it. You have to receive it so that you can boldly proclaim it. I love this verse in Colossians chapter 2. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You've got to receive Christ Jesus. And here it is, for me to have resurrection power, I must personally receive it. If you have never received the love and grace of Jesus, if you've never said, Lord God, I believe in the death and the burial, and the resurrection, and I want you in my life. You have to receive it, and God graciously gives it to you, and he's so easy, he's so tender, he's so kind, he's so gentle, but you have to receive it, and resurrection power is available to you. All of your sins will be forgiven. All of your past will be done, and you can walk in a brand new life with Jesus Christ, and you can do it today. That's what I want to pray for. That's the resurrection power. And you need to know that God has a mission for all of us. And so get ready, believe, receive, and now let's go into all the world and teach everyone the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's get ready for communion. Lord God, thank you for the message. Thank you for the resurrection. And I receive it. I receive, Lord Jesus, what you've done for me, that you died on a cross and, and nailed my sins to that cross. You took my place and you went into the tomb. But on the third day, you were raised from the dead. You conquered death. You conquered Satan. You conquered evil. You conquered sin. 
And now I can trust that and I receive it. I walk in and I pray for everyone in the sound of this voice to receive that love, that grace, that gospel message so that we can walk in resurrection power and transform not only our lives, but our entire world. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Easter. God bless you.